Hello everyone, welcome back to the Lovecast. Um, before we begin, I just want to take a quick second to um, reflect and just to give some prayers and to just speak on the um, Uvalde, Texas uh, elementary school shooting. Um, I just want to say RIP to all the victims that are involved. Um, I personally have a father who's an elementary school principal um <clears throat> and the idea of him uh being in school when something like this happens uh is something that i've lived with with fear of and um it's a tragedy and it shouldn't be like this um there needs to be a change something needs to happen but um yeah i just wanted to um speak on it before we begin, uh, the news was sort of breaking while we were recording, so we weren't able to um, be there live, but it, it's quite the tragedy. Um, it shouldn't have happened, and it's just absolutely horrible that families have to live through this. Um, we need to group together and make a change about this, and um, yeah, just hug your loved ones a little bit tighter tonight. Uh, be thankful for every day you have because you never know what can happen and together we're going to need to make a change about this because this can't continue our children need to go to school um, our educators need to be able to educate and we need to fix this and I'm confident we will uh, we have a great society we have our ups and our downs but we're, we're, we have a great generation of people coming up and uh, I, I'm I'm hopeful for the future. I think we're going to make a change in the positive direction. So, thank you. Alrighty, and we're back. We're here with the best wrestler in the middleweight division, coming in with an 8-1 and one pro record. Um, Andre Petrosky. Andre, how are you feeling after this massive win? Arguably your biggest test. You have a big win over Nick Maximov. It was a submission. You choked him out. How are you feeling after that big win? <laughs> I feel good. Uh yeah, I'm actually back out here in Vegas right now. We flew back out on uh, on Monday. My uh, my teammate Joey Pfeiffer is fighting on the Contender Series in July, mm -hmm. and they flew us out for filming some you know some training stuff and whatnot. So, nonetheless, I'm out here now. That's awesome. Um, so we wanted to get into some questions for you. Um, Starting off, Jordan, did you have your first question? Yeah, yeah. So I know you were uh, an underdog in that fight against Maximov. Uh, obviously, got the win. I just want to know, you know, how what it's like being an underdog, being a new face in the UFC. Uh, you know, maybe having some doubters and being able to prove them wrong. Yeah, I mean, it feels good. Like, I, obviously, I believe in myself, and I wouldn't have asked for the fight if I didn't think I could beat the kid. So. <laughs> When, like, I saw the line come out and whatnot, I was just like, all right, even better, you know? Yeah. yeah. We actually gave you out to win on the podcast. That was yeah, Jeff. That was Hammy Sosa's yeah, lock of the sir. night. He gave you yep. out. We completely <laughs> locked it up. We we knew. Yep. We we were not doubting you going into it. We saw how good of a wrestler you are. Um, I really, like, my favorite aspect of your game was the right hooks that you were throwing when you're putting people away or just... Hell. I, I loved it. You throw with such like torque and tenacity. It's, it's really something to watch. Um, next question, uh, Jared, did you have something you want to ask? Yeah. So you've got to experience some great coaching in your career. Um, you were a son of a former Penn state wrestling coach training under Henzo Gracie. So I'm wondering how was 
Brian Ortega as a coach in the Ultimate Fighter. Hmm. He was good, man. Um, the part that stood out to me the most about Brian um, was just like his mindset. Like, like I could tell. Like he doesn't really act like he's from like South Central LA mm. until yeah. like until like he does. You know what I mean? Yeah, until the dog comes yeah. out. Not like a hard ass at all whatsoever. He's not mm. like a tough guy. Like mm. like my like not not at all. Not doesn't act like like gangster or anything like that. But like there was just a couple moments like on the show where I was like, God damn. So like one of them was. Um, he so he was drilling with Treshawn. Meanwhile, like Brian, they have little gloves on. Brian's like a forty-five pounder. Like mm. so, Treshawn's way bigger than him, and Treshawn hits hard. But nonetheless, Brian's got no mouthpiece on, and they got little gloves. And Treshawn was like, they were just moving and flowing, and Treshawn started throwing kind of hard. And Brian was like, not one hesitation. Like was just like, all right, fuck it, like let's go, and. Mm. Dude, they, like, banged it out with no mouthpiece, little Damn. gloves on, and, like, the dude's getting ready for, like, uh, you know, like, a million-dollar title fight in, like, four weeks. But, like, he just – his mindset is different. Like, he, he doesn't, like – he's not worried about getting hurt or, like, being safe or, like, am I being smart right now? Like, his, he's just, like, he can flip the switch and, and go at any time. Damn. So what does the whole gym do during that? Are you guys just silent, just taking it in, just watching this? Yeah, for sure. At that moment, when they started banging, we were like, all right, I guess we're just going to sit back and watch this. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. That's yeah. That's... He was telling us his story, and I hope he won't get mad at this, but um, when he was driving to the airport to fight Holloway, mm -hmm. he had kids in the car, and uh, they're driving to the airport or whatever, and some like, I guess gangbanger like pulled him over in traffic and like out of his car or whatnot. Damn. So he's got the kids in the back of his car. He's on the way to the airport and he just fucks this dude up in traffic. Like, like on the side of the road? Yeah, on the side of the road. Like, <laughs> oh my yeah, God. He said he had a little long <laughs> time and uh, dude was like hanging on to it, hanging on to his, to him by his hair. And he was just like elbowing this dude. Oh my God. <laughs> and, he story and he's like, the point of my story is that he said that like the one son was like crying because he was upset. And the other son was like mad, like, cause he couldn't get out of the car. Cause he had like, I don't know if he couldn't get the seatbelt off or whatever. So he's like, he's like, that's just when I knew like which son was going to be a fighter and which not. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's he's awesome. Just, like, reckless sometimes. Like, wow. But, like, I feel like that's what kind of makes him, like, a great fighter also. Like, being so careful all the time is not, like, what makes you a great fighter, to be honest. It might be, like, just being careful. Like, I don't know. Yeah. That's yeah. that's crazy. Um, That's an that's a crazy story. Do you know why yeah. the gangbanger was targeting him? Did they know who he was? or like... I don't know if one of them cut it. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Wow. That's a... Holy shit, Jordan, that is a crazy story. What did you say, Jordan? Is that hell, hell of a story to coach some dudes up? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's funny. Uh, Jeff, did you have a question? Uh, yeah. Uh, what has the transition been like from like the your 
smaller promotions to the UFC. How, like, how's that been? Um, it wasn't bad, honestly. So, like, my first, I said, right, I've had, uh, that was my fourth fight at the Apex. And yeah. uh, the reason I say that is because the Apex doesn't have fans. Mm-hmm. So, like, even though, like, you know, I fight in front of, like, a much bigger crowd now or a, yeah. bi- a much bigger audience, the crowd is still very small. So it was, like, an uh, easy transition from regional a regional promotion. Yeah, that makes sense. <clears throat> that lot makes a lot and of sense. And even the only – fight that i've had so far that was like a huge crowd was abu dhabi mm-hmm. and i mean just to be like whatever it's like it's like <laughs> each row is like 20 dudes dressed in like the full white and like there'll be a knockout and they'll just be like good fight good <laughs> <laughs> like it's not like the most electrifying crowd so yeah i can imagine yeah um i had a yeah, at least question. you fight in front of hasbulla there yeah <laughs> exactly um I so i mean question. i think that i i fight better under um uh, with like fans and, and mm-hmm. a better crowd but i it, i have like been eased into it i guess no yeah that makes a lot of sense um i have a quick question just about like fighting in general um i've never been in martial arts or anything but where does you, how do you handle all the pain just from getting punched and hit where, where, where do you go? Is that like a mental thing or is that a physical thing? Do you just bite down and take it? Or does that fuel you when you're fighting? Part of it is like you just kind of get used to it. Mm-hmm. And, but don't get me wrong. I mean, like, look, in a fight, you don't really feel much just because you're adrenaline. Yeah. Um, yeah. But don't get me wrong. Like, there's days where I'm like, dude, I don't feel like fucking doing this right now. Like, I can imagine. Or like, there's certain partners that are just like dickheads, like, and, and like we're drilling and I'm like, why are you punching me in the face? Like you could punch yeah. me in the hands. Like I'm punching you in your, in your gloves. Like you don't, I, I sometimes just like, I don't know why the fuck you're punching me in the face right now. It's really not necessary. Yeah. No, I don't know, that, some, sometimes you don't want to, honestly. Yeah, no, I can imagine that gets, uh, like I, you're, it's just, you're a different breed. Like that's saying, I can't imagine doing that myself. Um, what's your nutrition been like to get ready in this camp? Um, so it's, it's, I've two things. So I was, my dad was, um, like (laughs) Nazi when it came to like nutrition growing up. So like we never had like juice in the house or like fast food or like none of that. So like I was lucky in the sense that I was born with good eating habits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, also I have a meal prep sponsor, which makes it much, much easier. Yeah. I can imagine (laughs) like if it's between, if I'm all right. So if it's like, all right, I have a healthy meal that I don't mind eating at home waiting for me in my fridge. Um, Jeff, did you have a uh, question or Jordan? Yeah. I I wanted to, uh, I know we we touched on the, uh, ultimate fighter series a little bit, but, um, I know you, you took a loss in that series. Um, I was just wondering like what you were able to learn from that loss, uh, what you took from it and how you, you know, use it to improve yourself. Yeah. Like it's really just about making my weaknesses, like my strengths. So you can kind of see like, especially like as each fight goes on, like my, my endurance and, and especially in the third round keeps getting better. So like after that fight, 
a lot more on like, you know, endurance, endurance athletes. So like, um, I got like a road bike and we'll do like 32 mile bikes, like, you know, like long distance shit. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's part of the process of just like falling in love with that stuff, even though it fucking sucks, but like, you got to do it. So you might as well like find a way to love it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Jeff, did you have another question? Yeah. Um, realist i know we've talked about this like a year before this podcast even started but realistically what do you think it will take for ufc to finally bring a fight night back to philly man i hate to say it but i don't know if chris kind of um ruined that by losing to uh yeah Derek lewis mm-hmm. um and blades yeah, like, I don't know about Blades, but they were talking about, I heard a couple of rumors that they were talking about August, and then Ooh. I kind of stopped hearing that after he lost to Curtis Blades. I think, or, I'm sorry, to Derek Lewis. I think if he would have beat Derek Lewis, that they were going to try to make that his next fight in Philly, like a number one contender yeah. spot or something. Damn. Um, so, like, the next highest ranked guy is Sean. Yeah. So we'll see, you know what I mean? But um, I was hearing rumors of August and then I stopped hearing them. So we'll see what happens. Sweet. I hope, I hope soon. I can't wait. Yeah, me too. So I was at the last one in Philly. It was uh, Justin Gagey, Edson Barbosa. Yeah. Josh Emmett, Michael Johnson. It was good. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know the numbers, but. I mean, the show was awesome. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I could imagine crazy-ass Philly crowd would be awesome. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, are you a big Philly sports fan? Man, like, I got into it, like, a very little bit this year just because they were doing well. I'm not going to lie. Like, it was just so – so. I, I mean, when I – I loved Allen Iverson. Like, I watched Allen Iverson. Yeah. And – um my one of my very good friends, my training partners growing up, his sister danced at the halftime shows for the Sixers. Huh. So we would we would have to go to the games. And uh, it was more so right after he left. So right after he retired or whatever, um, we would have to go. And it was so bad. Like they were literally giving away tickets at like yeah. at the door to try to get people to come. And it was just so bo- like. So I kind of fell off with basketball for a long time. Um, I mean, but every time – I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, when I go to every parade when they win, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But I'm not like a diehard fan, you know. Yeah. I feel you. So uh, before we get you out of here, just going to hit you with a couple rapid-fire ones. So we wanted to know uh, what you made of the Holly Holmes decision last week uh, and if you think the sport could benefit from open scoring. Man, I, uh, so when I fought for LFA, they had open scoring, and I saw it after the first round. I, I could see it was a 10-9 round, and I think that that's awesome. I think that that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Holly Holm goes, like, I love her as a person, but, man, I don't like watching her fight. And so, like, I watched, like, of the five rounds. It was five rounds, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. I think I watched two and three, and I was like, I can't watch this no more. Like, <laughs> yeah. no offense, but like, to me, she's just not exciting. Like, mm. I don't know. The, fight, the rounds that I saw, it looked like she was winning. And, and obviously, I heard it was like a robbery, but I couldn't, I didn't see the rest of the fight to be able to speak on it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time. We really, really appreciate it. Um, we're, we're behind you. You got a bunch of fans here. We loved watching like your footage of your old fights and everything. Um, yeah, we thank you so much again for coming on. And uh, yeah, Andre Petrosky, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to have his socials in our description. And uh, yeah, we'll be right back with uh, some Celtics talk. Okay, welcome back. We're here with Butsy, Max, and myself. We're going to talk a little... Celtics versus Heat game four reactions. I'm going to uh, start with a question for the boys. Uh, do you guys think this was more about how well the Celtics played or just a terrible game by the Heat? Butsy, go ahead. I think the reason uh, the outcome was what it was is because of the way the Celtics played. I think their defensive um, defensive game plan coming into it was phenomenal. The Heat obviously didn't shoot well at all, but, I mean, when you watch the game, the fucking first quarter – they obviously didn't make a field goal until like 4.30 left in the first quarter, but they weren't getting good shots either. You know, they obviously had shots that they normally would have hit, uh, but still the the, de- the defense the Celtics played, like the Heat were getting smothered. You know, they couldn't get any open looks, and they just weren't able to score the basketball. I think it's a it's definitely a pro um, to, you know, be able to play defense like that in the first quarter and come out with a huge lead and just be able to control it all game. I think I think it's impressive how the Celtics controlled the game after they went up 20. You know, we saw in the third quarter the collapse, and we've seen teams choke leads like in game three, the Heat choke a huge lead. So, you know, the fact that the Celtics were able to just hit cruise control and stay up 20, 25 the whole game is, is definitely something that I love seeing. But, you know, we only put up 102 points. It's not like we, we shot the fucking lights out either, you know. We ended up only shooting, uh, I think it was 19% from three, something like that. Yeah, you know, we shot 40% from the field. They shot uh, 33%. They also had 12 more attempts than us. You know, that we shot 24% from three. They shot 39%. So, you know, it's not like it was an overwhelming um, offensive game from the Celtics. I just think their defensive game plan and uh, the way they executed it was the reason that we won this basketball game. Yeah, um, I think injuries also had a massive uh, thing to do with it. The Heat, to me, looked pretty beat up. Um, Lowry, uh, Tucker, Hero was out. Um, Like all those guys, uh, Butler, they were all dealing with injuries. And I think that really obviously affected the game. But like you said, Butsy, the defense really was a a huge factor. And then the Celtics just hit their shots tonight um, a little bit more than usual, especially in the first quarter. unexpected Derek white quick seven points. And then he, he doesn't do anything for the rest of the game, but that those quick seven points were big. Um, I think that the heat were kind of willing to let him, let him go and uh, do his thing. Cause they weren't really expecting anything out of him. And then he kind of lit him up for seven points, which started this really nice run where the heat didn't score till like three minutes into the th- third quarter or uh, sorry, first quarter or something like that, something ridiculous. So, I mean, we knew the heat lacked offense and um, without Tyler hero, who's a huge, uh, contributor to their offense, uh, there was going to be questions on if they could score or not. So, I mean, it's not really, it was, it was unexpected to see them get beat like this, but I mean, we kind of should have seen it coming in terms of if their best offensive players are hurt, they're not going to have a lot of offensive production. It's going to be a messy game. Like it was. Yeah. I tend to go t- more towards the side of the heat just played a terrible game. 
Uh, I do think the Celts play great defense, especially with with Rob Will back on the court. Uh, huge impact from him. Al had a great game on defense with four blocks. But I just think the Heat, uh, the Heat have had these type of games uh, in these playoffs against the Sixers. They had a game where they just you know threw up a dud, scored seventy nine points. So I don't know it when you have a, a team that's as limited as them offensively. Uh, they play great as a team, but they just don't have the firepower, especially with Hero out. Um, so it's just tough for them to put up points sometimes. Uh, I do expect them to play much better next game, but I, I just think uh, we we kind of got lucky, and I think they really kind of gave us this one. Plus, I mean, they had a good game from Oladipo. Like, he had 23, I believe, off the bench, and, um, like, they're not going to get that every game. They're going to need and, – and Hero – or, sorry, Robinson had 14 off the bench as well. Like, they had a couple of guys that did really – keep them afloat uh as their bench scores so it just shows how limited they are offensively they really uh needed to need to find a way to score the basketball if they're gonna win this series Butsy. yeah i was gonna say we can talk about that real quick the the bench guys got a lot of run oladipo getting 30 minutes gave vincent 27 uh hey, vincent's a good martin, player martin played 25 Duncan robinson played 23 after literally not playing for so much of the playoffs so far so you know it's interesting um the Heat starters went in this order: Bam nine, Jimmy six, Kyle Lowry three, PJ Tucker zero, and Struess zero. Um, that will never happen Struce again, obviously. Game. Yeah, but Struess, you know, Struess was getting good looks; he just wasn't cashing them. Uh, the yeah. biggest, the biggest takeaway that I can I, I took from this game, um, despite the despite the you know lack of scoring from the Heat and the defensive, um, you know, defensive ability that the Celtics showed, is the free throws. The Celtics shot twenty four more free throws. Than the Heat. The Celtics went 32 for 38, and the Heat went 8 for 14. We talked about this on the podcast last time. When it, when are you going to start getting the you know the fouls? Jason Tatum's getting fucking hammered every time he takes a dribble into the paint. Um, they thought they were going to be able to come out and beat us up, and that just was not the case. They they the refs called a very good game. I thought last night there was obviously a couple travels both sides that you know the NBA misses just because it's the NBA, but. You know, the Heat had 26 personal fouls to the Celtics 15. Like, and we talked about that could be a huge difference. It's been a difference uh, throughout the throughout the playoffs. Yeah, Max? Yeah, um, I completely noticed that the it seemed that the refs were uh, calling the screens like like they didn't call any offensive fouls on BAM or very few offensive fouls on BAM on the screens. And then um, this game, they called it more often and then like, they just seem to let it be a little bit less physical than it was the game. It is a foul every time he sets the screen. Yes. He fucking he pushes two hands every time. I don't know how yes. you don't whistle it every time. It's 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 appalling to me that they don't, and it's frustrating that they don't call it the same way. Because I think this series would be a lot different if they have called um, if they do if they have called the game the same way as they did last night um, or in Game Four. Sorry, I think this is coming out on uh, on Wednesday, on Wednesday, so that would be Monday night. But uh, yeah, no, I, I want I would I'm interested to see how the uh, how the officiating is going to go uh, in game five and, you know, throughout the rest of the series. Yeah, hopefully they call it better.
hopefully they call it better. Yeah, I think the foul discrepancy also speaks to just how well the Celtics played on defense. Being able to, you know, block shots, get get their hands on balls without um, fouling. Uh, it just speaks to how well our, our defensive game plan was, and hopefully we see that continue. So, yeah, I mean, what do you guys think? Uh, what else was a big um, key factor for our win? Well, Rob, we've talked about him a little bit, but Rob Williams playing was huge. He makes a huge defensive impact as well as offensive impact on the lob because he's such a big lob threat and he's able to get a lot of offensive rebounds and restart the uh, the possession. Um, but also defensively, he really shuts Bam down. Bam did not have a great night like he had uh, the night before when Rob Williams was out. And we can say that we, can, we have enough of a sample size now that we can kind of say that um, – Rob Williams has really been affecting Bam like on the offensive end. Like uh, the first couple of games, Bam, I don't even think scored over 10 points. And then he had the 31 point game or whatever he had on in game three when Robert Williams was out. And then tonight he had, or last night he had, um, let me find it real quick. Uh, he had nine points. So like Robert Williams is clearly affecting him and he's a huge uh, offensive contributor. Like, he was, he can be, and we see, we've seen him be in game three. So that was big because um, like we said that the heat need offense in order to win, like this was still a low scoring game. If they had gotten some offense from Bam, they could have won. So that was huge. Yeah. Bam. Uh, I think Rob will may genuinely be the toughest matchup for Bam, like across the entire yeah. league. Obviously you, you can maybe say like Giannis or, I mean, I don't, I don't know. After well, he's Giannis, a unicorn like, like Bam. Like Bam's yeah, built so right. weirdly and so they're, is Rob. They're so athletic in their, mm. you know, for especially for their size. I think they're both six nine. They both jump out of the gym and Rob Will just works his butt off on defense. Um, and he's super hard to get shots over, super hard to uh, you know, get by if you're Bam. So it's a perfect matchup for Rob and for the Celtics. Um, I just wanted to talk about the uh first terrible game we've seen from Jimmy Butler. So He's obviously been killing us the whole series. He's been going off the whole playoffs, averaging 29 points. Uh, do you guys think he's going to start to come back down to earth, maybe back to his uh, closer to his regular season numbers, or do you think he's going to you know, continue to just get right back to it? Well, he's coming back off that tweak or like that injury from game three. Um, yeah. And historically, like when he comes back off of those like little knee things, he's really bad on the first game back. So, I mean, there it could be an issue of like, there's not enough time in between um, the games and he could have problems where he's not getting enough rest because the games are so like one after another, after another. Um, but I, I, I kind of, I do expect him to um, play better than he did last game. I think that he might've been hindered down by that injury a little bit. I definitely agree. Um, he didn't look as athletic as he usually does uh, when he when it comes to finishing. There was a couple of finishes where, you know, usually he would finish them and he just kind of threw it at the rim or threw it above the rim and and kind of just missed everything. So it was it was interesting to see Jimmy not at full strength. Um, you know, if he has a solid game, I still think the Celtics win this game. It's just that I. You know, I think he will get back to get back to his uh, old ways in South Beach. He's too much of a competitor and he's too much of a fucking dog to just roll over and just not put up a performance. Um, even if he's not 100 percent, he's going to find a way to put up a nasty performance because, you know, if I really think if the Celtics win game five, it's going to uh, they're going to win game six. We've talked about this, Jordan, last night. 
you know, we don't want a game seven in Miami. That's, that's probably the worst case. It's definitely the worst case scenario. That scares me a lot. You know, game five, I'm not really scared about game six. Obviously I would, you know, obviously very confident at home, but a game seven in Miami, man, that, that fucking place is tough to play. The heat fans love their basketball. Miami loves their basketball. So I, I think Jimmy's going to put together uh, a very solid performance in game five. I, uh, but I think the Celts need this game in order to, in order to really, really have my, um, really have my confidence at an all time high uh, for us to go to the finals. Um, do you guys want to talk about him now? Playoff PP? How do you want to talk about some PP with me? You guys have thoughts about, on him? I, I always, I always like talking about a little PP. He's a good player, guys. I think we have something with him. He's, he's definitely got enough confidence to be, uh, impactful NBA, like to have an impactful NBA career because he doesn't shy away from the moment and the moments are getting bigger and bigger and he's stepping up. Um, I like how much of a spark, like he's a, he's like the perfect definition of a spark plug off the bench for sure. Um, he gets a, taken apart a little bit defensively because he's so undersized, but if he can, you know, uh, just strengthen himself up a little bit, put some weight on his frame. Like I really like, he does Dane not, Richard. that dude does not need any more weight, man. He is, He's Dude, fucking built. He's only six feet. That's the thing. How much? Yeah. How much? How much weight can you put on a guy that's six feet? You know, he's already. He could get a little bit bigger. I think he could add, but not, on but like, not much, man. Because also, yeah. you also got to think about him. Uh, you his know, his speed, speed is that de- his speed is definitely a, a huge True. factor in his game. The jump shot too. Whether the jump shot could be impacted by putting on more weight. Um, but no, he's been a baller this this series. Uh, he had his struggles against the Bucks. And we're all just, you know, we were always obviously very confident in him and the shots that he was taking. He was getting great open looks. Um, you know, he's been hitting step backs. He, you know, had a couple of plays where he absolutely fried Kyrie in the in the net series, hitting a couple of step back threes. We're like, holy shit. Um, and then he went ice cold against the Bucs and, he, and he's been heating up in this series. And I, I really think that he's a spark plug off the bench. We've said it uh, all series long and really all playoffs long. He, when he comes in and he hits a three, good things happen for us um he comes in draws an offensive foul uh usually fucking won a game it feels like whether it's on a rebound or it's on a screen or something like that he usually seems to get a momentum turning foul and uh you know knock down a couple threes and just make a couple you know spark plug plays and then he always airballs one three he always gets one he's good for one he's good for one yeah it looks good it like, looks yeah. so good like he'll hit really three good. in a row he'll he'll go for his fourth airball but it looks right on the line it's just short i'm okay with, i'm okay with that i'm yeah, probably yeah. okay with that yeah, I love Pritchard, and I love how he's playing. Uh, he played great against the Nets then, obviously struggled against the Bucs, and all of us were kind of like, uh, I don't know, like he's, you know, getting open shots. We want him taking those shots. Um, but now it seems like he's, you know, got his confidence back. He's starting to put it all together. And I think he's honestly, he's just a really good ISO scorer. He's more than yeah. just a catch and shooter. Uh, I love when he's – like he has a nasty handle. Yeah, he's, he's a obviously, deep bag. Like – you might think he's a six foot white guy. You just put him in the corner, but the dude just gets buckets uh, uh, from yeah. anywhere on the floor. He can, you know, get to the mid range, get inside the paint. Obviously he has range. So yeah, I love Pritchard and I don't know, uh, you know, how, how his minutes are going to be um, the rest of the series. Uh, maybe if we advance, I don't know what it's going to be like, but whenever he's in the game, I'm happy, honestly. So yeah, yeah I'm super excited uh, that he's playing this well. My final yeah. piece on Pritchard before I move on, sorry, Max, uh, is he, like you said, Jordan, he has an insane handle. He creates so much space for himself. He's so quick laterally that, you know, a crossover and a step back happens like that. And he has a ton of space uh, to get his shot off. 
he's a very crafty player. And I think his handle, like you said, Jordan is kind of, is definitely very, very deep. His bag is very deep, but it's underrated too. You always look at Pritchard, you know, and you look at the stats and you see that he goes whatever, three of five and three, three of six and three, four of six and three, whatever it may be that night. But, you know, when you watch the games, you can really see that he just does more than knock down threes. He does a lot um, when it comes to creating shots for teammates and also creating shots for himself, getting space and just getting space for himself and putting himself uh, in a position where he can attack and create opportunities for his teammates uh, to succeed. Yeah, he had 14 points, uh, three assists. He was um, three for six from three and five for eight from the field. So pretty fairly efficient. And, you know, um, for a, for a player his age, that's pretty impressive um but so you said you had a question you want to ask yeah i'm gonna ask one final question to wrap this segment up uh mm-hmm. so this series has been so interesting because it's just felt like it's been blowout after blowout after blowout what are we expecting for the rest of the series right now it's really we're playing a best of three series um i was watching part of my state the other day and they say seltzman game four it's just the best of three series what are we expecting um from both teams really just as a general you know, as a general idea going forward, are we expecting more blowouts? Are we expecting a finally a close game that would be fun to watch from start to finish? You know, what are we what are we expecting? Yeah, so going back to Miami, honestly, I don't I think the, the Celts are gonna win two straight. Uh mm. I, I think we get game five in a in a controlling manner. Probably I'm thinking 10 to 15, so not a blowout, maybe the heat, uh, you know, bring it back in the fourth quarter. Jimmy's obviously really good in, in fourth quarter. So uh, I don't think it's going to be 25-point blowouts, but I, I expect the Celtics to come out and control these next two games and uh, win it without, you know, have it, making us sweat too much. Um, but, yeah, I just think the Heat are they're, – they're injured and beat up. Obviously, Smart's still beat up too, but the Celtics just – they have more confidence, more momentum right now, and – we're just the better team. Like we've been saying it all series and everyone's been saying it. The Celtics are simply more talented, better defensively and better offensively. We, we really had lapses in two quarters, uh, which was the only, only way we lost games. So I think we're, we now know what, what we have to do to beat this team. And I think we're going to do it uh, pretty handedly in the next two games. Yeah. Um, I think in my personal opinion, what I think is going to happen is um, game so I guess this is a game five coming up. Game five is going to be, I think the Celtics are going to win, but I think it's going to only be by like two possession, three possession games. So like anywhere from like the five to nine point win range, which I wouldn't call a blowout, but you know, like a relatively close game. And then I think uh, Celtics will win game six, but it'll be close. I would assume, or uh, yeah, I think, I think it would be a close game because I like this, this heat team's extremely tough. And I think when their backs are against the wall, like, PJ Tucker's going to foul you very hard and just do some shit. And they're, they're, they're one of those teams that um, when their backs against the wall, they fight a lot. So I could see it being close in a, in a game that decides their fate. So yeah, but uh, that's a good segment. We're going to wrap it up here. Alrighty. We're back. Um, we're going to do a little bit of uh, NBA draft 20 to 22 talk. We're just going to pretend that we're the first three teams and we're going to talk about who we'd pick and why and why we think they'd fit. So uh, who wants to go first? Uh, I'll start. I'll, I'll give my top three order. So this is not what I think is going to happen. This is what I would do. Uh, if I'm the Magic, I would take Paulo Bancaro at number one. Um, <laughs> and then I would take 
Chad at number two if I'm the Thunder, and I'll take Jabari at three. Um, and let me explain why. I think Paulo is a little bit more polished than Jabari. And I know Jabari has, you know, the super high ceiling. He's 6'11", absolute knockdown shooter, all that. I just think Paulo has a better handle. Um, he's more physical inside, a little bit of a, a better finisher around the rim. He can just – he can score in so many ways that – I don't know. I, I think he's a better overall player than Jabari. But, look, who, who am I to say? Like, these two are so close, and these three are so close, honestly. This draft is just absolutely loaded. So, you can't go wrong. But I'm going uh, Paulo if I'm the Magic. And then the reason I'm taking Chet if I'm the Thunder is not because I think Chet is better than Jabari, but I think Chet just fits perfectly with that with the Thunder's young core. Yeah. Uh, they have already solid perimeter players. They have Shea, Giddy, Trey Mann, okay. and their 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 big men are really lacking. So I think Chet would be perfect uh, perfect fit. You'd get a ton of um, passes from Giddy. Work well with Shea, and obviously just improve their defense a ton. So. And then I go Jabari at three. Let's see you next. Yeah, yeah no. Um, I I low key have the same order, but for the sake of for the sake of argument, I'm gonna take Jabari one. The only my only knock against Paulo, and I think I think um I think Paulo will go one, but you know honestly Jabari at one, you can't really go wrong with either of these three guys. Honestly, I think it's you know, there are people saying there's a lot of pressure on the magic to pick the right guy. And, and, you know, I understand that, but also you have, you have three, you know, possible superstars that, you know, people have been bouncing around from one, two, and three, all, uh, all off season for, for the, you know, for college. So with that being said, I'm going to go Jabari one. I think Jabari, if he can develop a little bit of, of agility and quickness to his game, he already has uh, the offensive skill set of a fucking superstar. And I think also that his defense is a lot better than Paulo's. Um, I think Paulo plays, um, and you know, Paulo's more physical and has a lot more athleticism, or not a lot, but a little more athleticism than Jabari. But I do believe that uh, Jabari's defensive ability makes up for uh, his lack of athleticism that uh, compared to Paulo. And I'm going Chet too, just because I think the Thunder, um, I think Chet, like everything that Jordan said, will fit beautifully in Oklahoma City with the young core, uh, provide, you know, an anchor in the middle. I think, especially when guys get to the NBA, they usually end up beefing up a lot. We've seen that with so many guys. So I think that Chet will eventually get a little muscle on him. And I think he could be, uh, you know, a cornerstone for the young Thunder team that's really looking to develop something because they have. They also have two picks uh, in the top 12. I think they have the 12th pick as well. So, you know, they can do a, a lot of damage in this draft, and they have a lot of good young guys. Um, they have Dort. They have Shea. They have all these guys that can that can really play basketball and play at a high level. So, you know, I really feel like if they can get a couple other pieces and really build around a fucking super, super young core, maybe bring in a vet to help organize the team, I think they can be a stud, and I think it starts with drafting Chet. Um, and then finally, Paulo at three. Listen, I mean, like I said, I think Paulo and Jabari can flip-flop, honestly, but I don't see Chet going at one or three just because of the of the fit for the Thunder. Um, you know, the Magic don't really need any – they need every position. It's not like they just need one thing. They're, they're you know, they're going to get a very, uh, very great player. And it's just, it's just preference for the Magic, but I think Paulo should go three because I think Paulo um, – you know, may while he m may be very NBA ready, he his defensive um, his defensive weakness will will be shown and will be exploited by a lot of NBA teams, especially early in the season. And you know, I know we're not really thinking playoffs yet, but if they were to make some crazy run in the playoffs, I I, I don't 
you know, see that. I think I think Paulo could be exploited on defense uh, a lot. So that's my order. I'm going to go Jabari, Chet, and then Paulo. Okay, so I have a strange order, but it's going to – I I think I this is what I believe. <clears throat> okay, so number one is Jabari. Um, I had the I had the honor of seeing him live uh, when he played came to Tennessee when Auburn came to Tennessee. Um, I sat like literally like nine rows back and in the student section. I could I saw I was so close to him and he didn't even have like a spectacular game that game, but he is um, he has a really really high upside. I really like Jabari. I like the type of person he is off the court, and I think the Magic are going to take him or Chet. Um, I really like what the Magic have. They have this really good young core, and they have like Franz Wagner, who was awesome for them this year. He's good. he's untouchable. Um, Cole Anthony's probably untouchable on that team. And then you have Mo Bamba, who's a good asset to trade. I mean, maybe his value is probably dis- diminished um, because they did not play him much. But um, I like what they've got going there in, in terms of their core, and I really like what they do if they add Jabari Smith Jr. there. Uh, second, I have Chet Holmgren going to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, like Jordan said, that's like that's a complete Oklahoma City guy. Like it just makes sense. That's like a better version of Poku, much much better version of Poku. Like they like those strange players. I would love the idea of all this length with a six six Giddy and a six eight Shea get Gilgis Alexander as your point guard, and then Chet Holmgren. Are you kidding me? That's a ridiculous lineup that with all these insanely long players that are so. Um, Pause, pause, pause. Insanely long players that play really, really well and can do so much on the basketball floor. Like, I really like that idea. And then third, this is where it gets a little interesting. <clears throat> the Rockets are in an interesting place because Jalen Green uh, anchors their entire offense. So to me, you're not looking offense here. And because of that, I think they're either going to trade down or they're going to grab Shaden Sharp. I Shaden Sharp is someone that you could take a crazy chance on because he has the chance to be a top five talent in this draft. I've listened to a lot of people talk about him and people are high on him. The thing is he did not play in Kentucky. What's up, Jordan? No, keep going. I'll just talk after he did not play at Kentucky, uh, partly because of his team, like his, his agents and stuff, like the way they handled that season there, he apparently refused to play in a couple of games and practices, but this is a number one. He was a number one recruit coming out of high school. When he reclassified, he became number three recruit. He's a really, really good player. We haven't seen him play is the biggest thing. It's a big swing, but you have Jalen green. Who's a big offensive um, talent and you don't want to grab Jaden Ivy. He doesn't fit well with Jalen green. I could see them grabbing Paolo, but, but your defense is going to be really, really awful. I think your best option really is to, to roll the dice with shade and sharp or, or trade down because it's, it's, I, I really think it's more of a one, two, and then a drop draft be, while some people think it's a one, two, three, four. And wow. Then a drop draft. Wow. That's hot. That's a hot well, Paolo, take. I just don't really trust Paolo's defense at all. And I don't know. I, I, I could be, I could be made to eat my words by Paolo and Jaden Ivy. I just think Jaden Ivy is going to be good, but I don't think he's going to be like a yeah. superstar. I'm just going to say something before you jump in Jordan. My only thing about Paolo's defense is that, like the Rockets aren't going to look to win anytime soon. And I know that I said his defense is going to be a reason why he gets drafted lower. Just the fact that, um, you know, you know, like the defense develops, obviously with a lot of these NBA guys, they have such great uh, development programs for, for them to become uh, more complete players. So I think Paul's defense will develop. It's just, it's just whether the Rockets want to take a chance on that. Um, and when, you know, yeah, Max. And I have one more thing to add too. 
if you're the Rockets, Jordan's, Jordan's never going to get his word out. Sorry. Well, I, I, I feel like I have to explain myself because it is, I don't want people to think like this is a dumb pick for the sake of me like saying this. I genuinely believe that this is, this would be an interesting idea because if you're the Rockets, you're going to be bad for a while. They don't have a great team. Like they, they're playing some really bad players on their team. They're going to be bad for a while. And I think this is one of those drafts where you either you're the prize at this spot isn't exactly super high. And I'm thinking maybe you could either trade this pick for next or not next year, trade down and get more assets. Like if you trade the third pick for like a, uh, like a, a six and a 12 or something, whoever holds those like two picks at a lower value that combine for that one pick, or you could um, take a chance and, and get shade and sharp and say, you luck out this year while well, you're going to be fucking horrible next year as well and get a high pick then. I don't know. All right. Um, I completely disagree with most of what you said. And I think uh, I think you'd be fired instantly if you were the GM of the Houston I don't Rockets. Think so. <laughs> if you haven't been fired and yet by the Houston Rockets, then <laughs> here's the so. thing. If you're the Rockets, you just take the best player on the board. Uh, especially in this draft when this is a loaded draft class. This is the this is the year you get your superstar, the your your person to build around. Absolutely, yes. Paolo Especially is not if you're a in the superstar. top three. No way. Can you, how yes, can you say is. that? How can you say that? How can you say you're going to be the one? Dude is one of the most fucking one. complete. He's one when of you're most saying superstar, when you guys are saying superstars, when was the last time we've had multiple superstars in a draft? And multiple superstars. This is the draft, literally, though. Literally like, Dude, I don't, I don't, I disagree with that. Also, I don't know. I don't like follow all the drafts, but we could absolutely go back and find multiple superstars in a draft. I so, think you th- I think Luca you're undervalued. Luca and Trey is is, is Trey, Trey a superstar? superstar? No, eh, I don't think nah. he's a superstar. He will so be in more. four years, three years. If you, I don't know about that. If you get <laughs> wasn't a, Tatum in that deal. draft? Wasn't wasn't Tatum in that draft? So you're getting at most two or three a draft. Like you're saying multiple. That's, I think like, there's gonna be more. I think they, this, this, this draft, is one of the lo- most loaded drafts ever. People dude, talk about this draft. Okay, so like, I say I said there's the a top draft. four. I said there's a good top four, and then after that, I, I don't think, think there's, there's any more superstars. A, I, think there's a, I think there's an amazing top twenty. Who are I think they? this is the amazing first round. Who are these amazing oh superstars? That you would you like about? me to run through it? Yeah. Here's the thing: we don't know who they're gonna be, but we know that so, this draft is going to produce superstars. I don't think and you can just throw around the term "superstar" and give it like assign it. I, I think there's gonna be good sorry, talent. I agree about, with you. How about on stars? That. How about stars? Yeah, sure. How about stars? How about stars? All right. Well, then I agree with that. I agree with that. How, like that's nuts. <laughs> superstar and stars are different things. Like a. Like I mean, a, either way, if you don't think Paulo has the potential to become a superstar, I don't know what Paulo. I think it's there. Watching. Just. Just not like I just w- I'm not extremely high that it's there. Like I don't think I wouldn't bet all my money on it. Like no, it, it's not a death. I could see him fizzle happen, out. But if you're if you're the Rockets, you obviously take Paulo at three if he's available. You have to. There's, you absolutely there's, have to. Yeah, there's no reason to take a risk on someone you haven't gotten to see when Paulo Boncaro, who could go number one, is available. Like there's. There's so much potential. Like these top three are such good players that any one of those guys you're going to be over the moon with. Keegan so Murray, Jaden. If, if, there, if there's all these superstars available, why are you so against the idea of trading back at the three and getting? Because these guys are above them. Because these guys, these guys, are I the think, top stars. Uh, look, if if they think Keegan Murray or Jaden Ivy is their guy, I'm not against trading. There's no back. way it's going to be Jaden Ivy at three. I don't think so. Just but no, you, can't, saying, you, can't, play. you can't. Use the, you can't use the third pick on Jaden Ivey or Jalen Duran or AJ Griffin. Like you would have to trade back for that. You can't just, you can't have the third pick 
and take somebody else. Yes, trade I back. Say, the Houston, if you're going to take somebody yeah, else, I think I, th- I think more likely that they're going to trade back than Shaden Sharp would be my guess. I think but out I mean, of the these, top three, these they're names, the most likely. The names in this draft are unbelievable. I'm a huge AJ Griffin guy. Uh, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin, Benedict from Arizona. I like Johnny Davis. Uh, I like Johnny. Mark Davis. Williams from Duke. Fucking Malachi from Ohio State. Ajay wait, wait, Abaji ha- from wait, Kansas. Like, th- like this. This draft. Abaji's Abaji's projected to go fifteenth to the Hornets. Abaji was nasty all year, and he's going fifteenth. Man, that like any is other he just year, old? he's going top ten. He is, is old. He, uh, yeah, he's that's 20, why. He's, he's, 22, he's also but... stunted offensively. Like he doesn't. He's not like gonna step man, out and he's, hit a three. He's fucking. He's not talented, like a modern bro. big man. Like the Shibway. Shibway is gonna go in the second round. And he's talented as well. But no, she late, late well. first. Yeah, late first second the NBA. Round. No, I agree with that. But neither did Grant Williams. So, but they're different. Like Shibway's six nine and much. Shibway can't. Shibway and Grant Williams ended up molding his and and Grant Williams ended up molding his thing yeah. to the nba i don't know it's it's weird especially uh the draft is really hard to understand and get right but i mean i don't know i if i'm the rockets i tr- personally would trade back because i do see value in this draft um i don't i'm just not as high on Paolo, but it's all I know that you guys like him. guys let me just ask why you're not high on Paolo. to me he looks well like- if i'm the rockets and i'm trying to build a team um at some point they got to start addressing the defensive issues like that's like they got to start doing that. And if I want to build my team that's around a young nuts. player, I want to build it around a two way young player. Well, what, like, I just, I just, because think they have no you, talent. They have zero talent me, on this team. You don't they, worry. Yeah. Like you're not, you're, you're not the other looking draft, to, you're not use, looking to, use the other drafts to fill out your talent. Dude, you can't, you're not. No, because no, because those other drafts aren't you're exactly. Not gonna get this is oh, your guy. So like, if my, why would I get Paolo? If his one thing is he scores and I already have Jalen green, who's, who is, you have extreme. one guy you have, sorry, you have, yeah, one guy. Yeah, but, but he's like, he like has one guy. He had, he literally had one of the highest usage rates in the NBA. That's crazy was, because their team sucked. Their <laughs> team was that's, so that's, bad. that's how he plays the game though. That's how he's always played. Listen, 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 you also you don't have player. to hang on to Jalen for his entire career. I think you they can... like him. I think they, they're committed to him. I, I'm just saying, if I you're would, the Rockets and you're building with what you have, you have Alfred Shangun. You have nothing. You have, have Jalen Green. That's about it. That's well, what you're going to say Shangun. You take the best fucking... player available. That's it. That's all you have is those two players. You're going to... I think you trade back, get two picks, no. and get two assets instead of one. I, see, I think that's nuts, but I also think... You don't have any personnel, and then I'm saying, okay, do this one play to get more personnel. No, 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 no. And you're I'm, saying no. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is you're not... I don't think that they're going to get two lottery picks for that third pick. trading the third pick yes you will you i don't will think get, you will not, not a lot not in this draft not in this draft maybe not two not lottery picks but you could get like a six and a like a, a different pick later on that, that but that round. i mean it doesn't that's i don't still, think that's good. those picks i don't think that's hitting at enough, a much really higher rate those picks have been hitting but at a much this higher is, rate this is the thing you like with the rockets they need to just get guys on the roster that can do things with the basketball right so right. they're not really looking to add role players right now to help them win a championship or role players that can really take them to the next level they're looking to get out of the fucking top 3 in the draft i mean they have the third pick for a reason right they're the third worst team in the nba uh, according to the lottery which i don't even know if that's completely you know believable or not whatever whatever they, yeah Dude, i think they're the worst but it's just, they're so bad they, yeah they were they're, probably they're the worst team so that's yeah. what I'm saying. They're going to have higher options to get the first pick for the following years. It's not a one-year solution. No, I, I, I just don't here's, think Paolo's no, your man. No, here's the thing. is I think Paolo is your man. That's the only thing. Because yeah. if you're saying, hang on for next draft, well, there might not be a guy like that's this good, dude. He's, he's what, 6'10"? He can score from anywhere? Like, he is, like, uh, to me, he looks like a, 
a thicker like Paul Don't George. Like he could oh. be that good. He, so, he can move. He, his his agility and you know, Paul George is a score all, all three. elite defender. I would oh, if he turns into his Paul ability George, to score. George, but he's, he's just not, talking. He's I think Jordan was just talking offensively. I think yeah. Jordan's just talking offensively. I, I but his ability, yeah, his ability to score to all three levels is something that is definitely rare. Um, he's a phenomenal talent, and I think with the third pick, you either have to take him. And if you think somebody else is your guy, then trade down and see what you can get. Okay, we're gonna end that conversation there because I don't think we're ever gonna end up agreeing on that. And um, yeah, I I admit, like, admittedly, I probably have downplayed the talent coming out because we just went through in the break and looked. <laughs> at all the names that are going to be coming out of the first round and there's a lot of talent out of there so like that's i could definitely see that but i i don't know it's, it'll be interesting to see what houston ends up doing um this next thing we're going to do is we we each picked um a team that we're gonna draft for this upcoming draft so you're gonna the rules are um only like like trades are allowed but they have to be realistic trades so we're gonna deem them like on how realistic we think uh so like for instance if i like pick san antonio and i want to trade one of my picks like the only way we say let that trade be accepted is if it's like a realistic trade does that make sense yep. um and then yeah so we each picked a team um i picked the san antonio spurs but see who's you pick i have the charlotte hornets jordan i have okay see yeah so we're going to be drafting um in a later episode we're going to be drafting as if um we are those teams and drafting for them. And like I said, that's going to include trades and uh, stuff like that. So that, so keep your eyes open and ears open for that. Cause that's going to be coming up. But uh, do you guys have any closing thoughts on our draft talk you want to finish with or, or you think you're all done? Uh, I know. I'm just really excited for this draft. This is one of the most talented drafts we've seen in a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, it, the, they're only getting deeper and deeper, these drafts. Um, and I think that what makes this draft special is you have three, like Jordan said in the break, three possible MVPs going top three, um, which is complete, which is very rare. So I'm very excited to see how this draft plays out. Obviously, we're going to hop in and um, and do some draft analysis with with a couple teams. But, you know, like the Hornets, like we just said in the break, are on the verge of becoming a, a really great team. They have a lot of really good pieces. And if they can add a few rookie studs that are, that are NBA ready, I think they can make a run in the playoffs next year. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that because a lot of teams can do a lot of shit in this draft that could really help them out um, next year and then in the long run as well. Yeah. Yeah. Why yes. don't we go through and sorry, Jordan, why don't we go through after you say your thing um, and give out why we picked the teams we picked, but Jordan, you first. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Just my closing thoughts on this draft as a whole, I think. So I, I said, I would take Paulo at number one, but I do think Jabari will go number one. And I think Paulo will end up at three. But I could see, honestly, I could see those top three going in any order. I could see, like, Chet one, Paulo two, Jabari three. I could see right. anything happening there because I think they're just so close, and I, I just think you can't go wrong. So, yeah, but um, I'm excited to get into this draft stuff. So the reason I picked the Thunder is, obviously, they have the second pick, which we talked about. Uh, then they have the 12th pick, which is, in a deep draft like this, can can get you someone really, really good. And then I believe they have they have the 30th pick, too. So they have three picks in this first round. Uh, I think that this is going to be a huge draft for their future. And, you know, they, they traded away, guys, to get all these picks. So let's see if they can do something with it. I think they're in a good spot. All right. I picked the Spurs. Um, I picked the Spurs for a couple of reasons. They have, they have I believe, three picks in the first round. Um, they have the ninth pick, the 20th pick, and the 25th pick. So I have a couple of ideas on who I want there and who I'm going to be targeting. Um, 
I also like a little bit of their core. Um, I like Zach Collins. He's he played okay. I really like Keldon Johnson a lot. I really like Keldon Johnson. I like Trey Jones. I like um, you know, uh DeJounte Murray, obviously, Jacob Portal Portal. Uh he was pretty good. Lonnie Walker is pretty good. I like I liked him. Um, and they also have a little guy by the name of Romeo Langford who could who I think personally is ah. a bit of a bust, but he, you know. He was a high pick, like, and he's he's still relatively young. He's shown some flashes, but he, I was never a huge fan of him on the Celtics. But the, like, he is a player that they do have. Um, I think that they're an interesting team, and I, I'm really excited with what they could do. And um, a lot of what this, what I like about the Spurs is that um, they have a specific narrative around them with their team, and just because of who is there and like who the coaches are that they've had the same coaching staff for a really long time. So there's sort of like an enigma around the Spurs organization that if you like draft a big white um, center or like a big white European guy, you know, that's usually a pretty successful pick for them. Um, uh, like boring players that turn out to be like pretty interesting, you know, um, in the long run and how, in terms of how good they end up being stuff like that. I like, I like the Spurs and how they draft. They always seem to find diamonds in the rough. So um and I, and I attribute that usually to their coaching staff. So I'm going to be looking for some diamonds in the rough. Yeah, I got the um, I got the Hornets. And the thing that intrigues me is they have two picks pretty much back to back. They have the 13th and the 15th pick. So, you know, they they uh, they made the play in this year, uh, lost to the lost to the Hawks. But, you know, they have some they have some really good pieces to build around. They got obviously Melo, Bridges. Uh, they still have Gordon Hayward, too. Kelly Oubre's meh. Uh, big Terry Rozier fan, obviously. Book Knight. Um, what they're lacking is a big, so a big uh, and a defensive anchor is going to be someone that I'm going to be targeting uh, for them, as well as just another role player, probably a three and D guy, someone that can just consistently knock down threes because they have Cody Martin, but he's really not that guy. Um, they really don't have a straight knockdown shooter, and I think that's something that I could look to target for the Hornets in this draft. Uh, I really feel like this draft is big for the Hornets because I think they can really take a jump next season if they get two guys that are NBA ready and two guys that can, you know, come in and make an immediate impact. Um, we saw in the Hawks game, they got fucking demolished down low Capella, absolutely eight. So a guy, I'm not going to, not going to spoil it, but a guy like Mark Williams would be, would be huge. Uh, for oh. the so, so let's where I'll be, we'll be going um, into detail more about that next time, but I'm definitely looking forward to, to taking reign of the, uh, to take reign of the Hornets franchise and, and draft one. Yeah, now that you mentioned Mark Williams, I'm gonna. I was gonna say, if I'm you, I'm trading a pick and someone else for uh, Miles Turner. I love him on the Hornets, dude. Could you imagine the lob threats with him and Lamelo? That'd be so yeah, the, fun. The thing is, the thing that he's not uh, a good defense concerns player. me. Yeah, the thing that concerns me about the Hornets is the. Um, I've heard, I've seen them in a lot of talks, trade talks for Westbrook. Um, oh, I don't if like I'm that the Hornets. At all. If I'm the Hornets, I'm not touching Westbrook. If I'm the Hornets, yeah, no, I'm really not never. touching anybody. Uh, anybody like that. So. No. I like you Mark know, Williams. They, they say get rid of Gordon Hayward's contract and send him to LA and take Westbrook's, but it's just it, I, I I think you can't take Westbrook. I think if you take Westbrook, you just fucking tank. So um, realistically, if the Hornets, I'm not going to make any offseason you know blockbuster trades or anything like that. I'm just going to focus strictly on the draft and um, and drafting picks that I think could really help this franchise take the next uh, take the next step to to winning game. Yeah. The one thing I want to say before we close out is uh, we do have to, you know, communicate with each other who's taking who so that, you know, if, if someone wants to take yeah. Mark Williams before, you know, Butsy has a pick, then obviously, you know, two teams can't draft 
Mark Williams. So it's going to be interesting. Maybe we make some trades with each other. Maybe we make some trades with, uh, you know, random teams. Other teams so, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds good to me. Um, yeah, we're going to end it here.